I expected this was going to go one or two ways. Yes, or you know what? Thank you, but you can now back your stuff up and leave. Quitters never quit, and quitters never win. Quitters win all the time. Let us show you how on Quit Happens. Hello, everyone. Lynn Marie here. Welcome to the next episode of Quit Happens. I am coming to you from San Diego, California, back at home after many weeks of traveling and very happy to be here. But along my way, I met some incredible people, many of whom have agreed to come on the show and share their quitting stories. So it was a great trip and I'm really excited to bring a number of very cool people to you in the coming weeks. Now, before we get to today's guest, who is one of those people, just wanted to say if you want to find out more about strategic quitting, that you can check me out on Facebook and Instagram at Quitting by Design, or you can go to my website at quittingbydesign.com. Also, if you enjoy Quit Happens, I would be ever so grateful if you could give us a review or a rating. It's a great way for future potential guests to see that this podcast is making a difference and it's worth their time to come on. So if you could take just a minute to click those stars or write a little review, it's a great way to help ensure that we'll get even more great guests on to share their quitting stories with you. A little bit of news for those of you who have pre-purchased my book, also called Quitting by Design. I've spoken with the publishers and they've said that the likely release date is late September. So I realize you have waited now almost seven months or so for it. I appreciate your patience. In the meantime, I'm glad you're checking out Quit Happens to get some of the same types of information you'll get from the book. But look forward to late fall when I can actually get that copy to you. The second I have a copy, you all who have pre-purchased the book, I am buying that many of them and shipping them to you individually with handwritten thank you notes for having been so supportive. Now, This week's guest is Dr. Amit Patel. Amit is a facial plastic surgeon at the University of Kentucky, but he is also so much more. He is one of the people I met at AFEST in Italy, and he has done a lot of things on the side that we will talk about over a number of episodes because it turns out we had too much to discuss to fit it into one episode because Amit has made a lot of strategic quits along his path. And not only that, but he's got great insight into a lot of the process of quitting, like dealing with fear, etc. So today is part one of probably a two or three part series, depending on how I cut it up. But for those of you who filled out the pre-podcast questionnaire and requested 20 to 30 minute episodes, I have every intention of respecting that. That's why I'm cutting this up into a few episodes so they're easily digestible, but you'll not only be hearing more from Amit in future Quit Happens episodes, but he's agreed to do some Facebook Lives with me to talk about some of these things in real time. So without further ado, Amit and I met at A-Fest a few days ago, and per usual, what I'm gathering from A-Fest, most of the physicians there have had some kind of quit in their past. And Amit is no exception. And we're really lucky that he wants to share his story with us. So Amit, where would you like to start? What was going on in your pre-quit life? Well, thank you very much, first and foremost, for having me on. It's an honor to work with you on stuff. My quit, per se, happened probably about three years into my practice. Um, I'd already finished my surgical training. And I, at three years into my practice, I was kind of on the heels of 
quitting a side but complementary business to my surgical practice. And so I had a full-time practice and started to start a new endeavor, a business on the side. And as I approached quitting or closing that business, it was kind of a point in life where I was realizing that time and energy are probably two of your most valuable assets in life because that's essentially what I had was at the point of trying to figure out is, you know, how do I have enough time and energy to be the surgeon that I want to be or to be the type of surgeon that I would want taking care of me? How can I be, how can I have the amount of time and energy to have relationships with my friends, my family, and all those aspects of relationships in your life that I really, really want to have myself. Um, and so whenever I was analyzing how to divvy up the pie of time and energy that I have, I had to start to look at redirecting my plan, if you will. And that's my when I started looking at ways that I can quit things that weren't in alignment or parallel to my vision and my plan for the future. So how did you realize what those things were, the things that weren't in alignment with your new thoughts on time and energy management? Well, some of it was, one, physical signs that things weren't in alignment, right? Our body tells us when something isn't aligned, these are signs of stress, signs that I couldn't sleep, um, signs that um, show up as a racing heart. So the things that weren't fitting in were causing signs of stress. And so I just had to sit back and pay attention. So I would sit back, I would journal. The other thing is, is, you know, pay attention to what your friends and family are telling you. The people that care about you independent of your accomplishments. And I had several things that I might have been told in the past. I was like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I don't, I, I got this, okay. Um, and instead stopping and taking a listen when someone that's around you that actually cares about you is giving you a subtle sign. And sometimes they're not always so obvious. Sometimes people kind of, you know, they're not, they're not going to come and say, hey, what are you doing, man? Yeah. <laughs> it may come in a different route. So. so those are two big things that I really started to pay attention to. And then I, I actually looked towards mentorship. You know, I reached out to people that I thought had it down and asked them, what do I need to do? And I started to take notes and I started to go through the exercises and the recommendations that they gave me on books, on exercises and things I needed to read. I kind of became a student of the process of life, if you will. Right? Yeah. So any books before I forget and we move on further, any specific books you would recommend along those lines for people who are delving into the self-exploration? It's a great question. There's several that I have and each of these I feel like kind of introduces or helped me work on different aspects. And the first one kind of deals with the mind. There's a book by Sakyung Mipam called Turning the Mind into an Ally. And it's kind of a meditation for beginners book, but it helps go through the different steps of how to meditate, but from a more active approach, meaning how to learn to understand how your mind works in day-to-day -day life. There's another book that I read called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, and that looked more into self-analysis of your habits and the idea of kind of compounded interest in the financial world applied to compounded habits in your personal and really your business life. Hmm. 
and, and ways to change that. And then the third one was a book called The Four Agreements. And this is a book that in a lot of ways is a list of four things you can do that allow you to have better relationships with the outside world. And after reading those, what did you determine were the things that needed to go, the things that needed to be changed in order for you to be more in alignment? Well, the first thing, I guess you would kind of classify as input, right? So we, I didn't realize how much I was at the influence of the input of other things in life, right? So the input of my mind or my thoughts, right? The input of relationships and other individuals. And so I added a morning and an evening habit of meditation. So at the beginning of my day, which is going to be the, essentially the start off of my day, I added a meditation. Right before I went to bed, sleep, which is going to be a huge part of my regeneration, I wanted to control and influence better sleep habits as I went into my nighttime, if you will. With relationships, I just learned to kind of cut relationships that were longer supporting me, things that weren't in alignment, individuals that I felt like didn't support me. Um, I started to cut those out. There's a Harvard study that was done that said the five most common people you hang out with will influence your social, financial habits. And so... So yeah, those are two things that I really started to, to work on. And the third thing just being just taking care of my body, diet and health and exercise. And when it came to work, you were having issues with getting your work into alignment. What changes did you make on that front? I started to apply boundaries. I first and foremost, I actually sat back and I did like a 30,000 foot view of how I worked. And I literally journaled. I took notes you know, I took hourly notes, I took end-of-the-day notes, I took weekly notes, and I paid attention to how much time I was actually putting into what I was doing and analyzing what things I could get others to help me do. And then I essentially started slashing stuff out, things that would not fit with my life plan, if you will, things that weren't going to allow me to say, for me, travel became an important factor of things. And travel with purpose. I had an interest in looking into healthcare innovation at the time, something that I had a long-standing passion for but just didn't have time for. I had an interest in supporting the creative and artistic community to give back. I always wanted to be a you know, sculptor, so I wanted to support others around me so I can provide support and mentorship to those people around me just like I was looking for in other people. And essentially what I did is I said, okay, I want to do these three things but I'm doing this at work, what things do I need to get rid of out of work? And so for me, surgically, I had to stop doing surgeries that someone else really, really wanted to do. I like doing, but I couldn't do that and provide the type of care that I wanted to provide and still do the other three things that I wanted to do. And how, what did that look like concretely when you made that change? Because I think we were discussing that you did some things that ended up freeing up more time for mm -hmm. your other passions. For me to go work on healthcare innovation and work on creative projects, I had to start working two weeks in surgery and then take two weeks off. And so I had to completely redesign from the ground up my entire infrastructure of work and surgery. And so I had surgeries that I would, you know, I couldn't go do a massive major surgery and then if be in a position where I had to be out of the country to go work on my new invention idea. So I had to say, okay, I can't do that surgery. And as much as I didn't want to do that, I had to do that because there was going to be a, a massive consequence to not making that decision. 
and that consequence is someone else's health. Yeah. I love the fact that Amit was willing to share his story because so many people probably think that a facial plastic surgeon or a surgeon of almost any type is the kind of job where you could not pull off a two weeks on, two weeks off type of schedule. I mean, we famously think that surgeons are working 60 plus hours a week and are kind of trapped into that. And a lot of what I want to do with quitting by design and quit happens is allow other physicians the freedom to realize that they're not stuck in whatever we think that their specialty should be doing. And I so admire that you had the courage to say, I don't care, you know, I'm a surgeon, but this, I don't know how many hours you were working beforehand, but I'm assuming it was 40 plus, right? A week? Yeah. Oh, probably. If you take in the time at the hospital, the time it takes to kind of research and design for my surgeries, it was probably easy, 80 to 100 hours a week. Yeah, exactly. And for you to say, no, this is not working for me. And and in discussions Amit and I had before we started recording, there was some thought that, you know, when you can't do these creative endeavors, when you're stuck doing just one thing for that many hours a week, it's not uncommon that people would have the thought pass through their head, oh, I need to quit this entire thing because it's not allowed me any free time. And a huge part of my strategic quitting process that I suggest is don't throw out everything. Evaluate just like you did exactly what isn't working because it's ridiculously difficult and in your case, especially totally unnecessary to quit something that you spent four years in med school, five years of residency, some number of years of fellowship working toward. If it's not the surgery that's making you unhappy, it's the schedule. What you just said is absolutely, absolutely important. So um, the idea that you have to completely quit what you do because you're not happy with what you do was exactly one thing that I spent a lot of time looking into. So I did several exercises that required me to go through and dissect out the components of surgery that I love to do. A couple of them were creativity, fun. And what I did is I found things that I was interested in working on that would continue to allow me to actually expand into those two things and work on those when I wasn't. So when I actually came back to surgery, there's a synergistic effect because because I was working on those parts of the brain and specifically working them out like you would in the gym, working out your muscles, when I came back to the surgical world, it was like I went into this state similar to what people call flow states. The abilities that I had, I started tackling surgeries that I had never done before. I started working on surgeries that had never been done before and building teams to help create and design new surgeries. And so the the effect of quitting was actually the opposite. And instead of quitting everything, I became better at what it was that I kind of part-time quit. Yes, I love that. And that's ideal anyway. A lot of us have many aspects to our job, some that we love, some that we don't. And then you end up being kind of mediocre overall because your energy is split between those. If you could just focus on the ones, I think we both just listened to this talk by Jay Shetty. And I believe he was asking, it was Jay Wright, who said, if you have things that you're good at, average at, and poor at, which should you be spending your time on? Mm-hmm. And it was the things that you're good at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it was Jay Shetty um, that we listened to. And absolutely, I mean, that exercise was amazing because he's right. Yeah, things that are already naturally coming easy to us and that we're passionate about, that's where the energy should go because the energy is just multiplied as opposed to spending that energy at something that we find as a chore just because we feel as though we should get better at that. 
maybe we shouldn't get better at that. If there's 10 surgeries that a person does, they're not great at three of them. Why would they spend all their time working on those three? Why wouldn't you just spend your time working on the seven you enjoy and get even better at those and become an expert, world-renowned, you can charge more for those, etc.? then, oh, let's try to be good at everything. That's not a sensible path. And I love that you narrowed down, okay, not only am I going to do surgeries I like, but the fact that the things I'm doing on the side are helping me even be better at those. I think you and I are discussing this, more expertise in what you're good at is going to allow you, like I said, to charge more or just expand your reach and become more in demand, which will help you expand your sphere of influence in whatever else you're doing on the side. 100%. You know, one of the things that I really, really, I train a lot of residents, I train a lot of medical students, and, you know, they have to go through the stages where they have to do everything. You know, it's it's a part of the process, and it's an important part of the process. But once you get to a point where you have choice, which is where most of, we, most of us get to when we're in our own practice or our own jobs, is a simple idea that, you know what, if you don't love to do it, I guarantee you there's someone within your reach that absolutely loves to do what you don't want to do. Yeah, and let them. And let them. Key, let them yeah. want, right? <laughs> yes. They love to do it. Right. And you don't. Right. If that's their flow state and your state of your pain point. <laughs> right. Why fight the flow there? Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> exactly. And, and again, now I have no idea how many surgeons I have listening, but I think this is so applicable to anybody who spent so many years training and is trapped or feeling it all trapped in their job at any kind. You should know, Amit doesn't just work for himself and said, oh, I'm going to go on two weeks and off two weeks. He had to propose this to an employer. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, as you said, I, I work for a healthcare system. I work for University of Kentucky Hospital and... I'm an academic surgeon, so I have a lot of responsibility outside of just my patients. I have responsibility as a, as a teacher. I've had responsibility as a mentor. And so when I approached him, I said, hey, I have this great idea that I want to work on. And we came up with a team-based kind of plan, if you will. And so 100%, it can be done even if you're not your own employer. You just, again, like anything else, you want to make it so that they have value. You have value. Everybody has value. Were there fears involved in approaching your employer? Oh, you got to be kidding me. I, <laughs> fears? I pretty much expected this was going to go one or two ways. Yes, or you know what, thank you, but you can now back your stuff up and leave. <laughs> Good luck, right? Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people have that fear, and therefore they don't even make the ask. 100%, yeah. yeah. If people get nothing else out of this episode, make the ask. Because it sounds, I mean, to me, it, when you told me about your two week on, two week off, I was like, that's possible. I mean, I work in the world of medicine and I'd never heard that a surgeon did that kind of schedule, but it takes the creativity to come up with it and the gall to make the ask. All right, friends. I think that's a great place to end the first episode with Dr. Amit Patel. Like I said, there'll be many more to come. Do not worry. He's got more gems where that came from. But in the meantime, and until we meet again... Happy quitting.